Welcome back to Mox Madness. Yeah, we are doing it again. We're doing and, uh, it again. If, if the levels are to be believed, uh, we're doing it with an actual microphone this time, as opposed to Nathan hey. yelling into his laptop microphone from halfway you across the room. You'd be did. confused for thinking I'm the one that knows what the fuck he's doing with the audio most of the time. You did seem to be like a fly trapped in a glass jar. It was yeah. very interesting. Yeah, it was it was great that that the best riff of all time, our, our Jeff Davis spiel, has now been cursed with uh, sub two time Daytona five hundred champion, two time Daytona five hundred doesn't put up a Confederate flag because you can't do that anymore um, <laughs> at his NASCAR races. But he's there. No, he now it. puts up a thin blue line flag. He puts up a thin blue. Yeah, he's he's that Jeff is the Davis new Confederate is, flag. Let's be real. Let's. Let's, let's, be well, very, let's be real. Let's very also be real. real that the guy that just retired from NASCAR, having won nothing ever in the history of ever, but throwing a, a bold stance about retiring from NASCAR because of the Confederate flag, is honorary Jeff Davis. That's oh, the yeah, man. For that sure. guy right there is, he won nothing, and then he for quit sure. in a huff when, when his thing didn't go his way. If that doesn't scream and Confederacy, I, I don't know what does. I would, I want him to park a NASCAR on a steamboat so he could put mission accomplished across <laughs> the car. Someone uh, call that fail son and let him know we will pay him upwards of $5 to do this stunt for us. <laughs> uh, but real talk, I, the, the, the thin blue line flag truly is the new Confederate flag. I don't oh, mean yeah. that in like some like, you know, I, it, it's obvious, but it's I just want to draw. I just want to draw the parallel. Because it's the southern strategy. It's the southern strategy. It is. Yeah. They've evolved. They well, realize I mean, that it's no longer okay to put out the Confederate flag. We need something that says the same thing as the Confederate flag, has the same dog whistle, but does it a little bit differently. And that's the blue right. flag. Right. I mean, and that that's what it is. You know, the American flag has always meant you know white supremacy, and it meant slavery and white supremacy. And as soon as as soon as the acceptable discourse of honoring the American flag opened up to slavery abolition, it was make a new flag and, and break off. And that was the topic of the day. Now the new form of slavery is disappearing people and, and pushing people through the carceral state and, and slaughtering them and lynching them in the streets. And as soon as that in the discourse is suddenly like not acceptable to, to support, you know, police immunity to slaughter people in the street and, and cage people uh, through that that American flag of white supremacy. Uh, the new symbol for that for that breakaway is the Blue Lives Matter. It's it's not just a parallel in racism; it's a parallel in in epoch. Yeah, and we're and we're it's 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 going to get there pretty quick. I think we're. I don't know. I'm I may be wildly optimistic for a, a generally pessimistic person, but uh, <laughs> I mean, we seem to be moving. Things are good. We Things seem to be moving in a fairly, uh, I mean, if you had told me eight weeks ago that today we'd be having a conversation around com- like complete police abolition, like don't, don't get me wrong. That still may be the yeah. like farthest option and probably not a likely scenario. But if you told me that we had an open discourse around, well, should we get rid of all the cops? I would say that's probably a step forward. Oh, yeah. And I mean, and there's been people that I just some of the take. I, obviously, liberals have tried to co-opt it and shave down yeah. the language. It's, they've tried to they've tried to do the 10 percent plan in Louisiana already. They, with have. The, they really they have. You have. Know, it's it's didn't change to defund and defund just means reform and eight steps to reform. And it's it's it's, you know, Abe Lincoln and, and, and moderate Civil War Republican bullshit <laughs> over and over again, as as is predicted. Um, but. But, you know, I mean, the movement's pushing it. And the other thing that's kind of grossed me out is like people have been they've been drawing comparisons or putting words into people's mouths. So like we've talked about a long time, you know, Angela Davis has has taken her politics a little different way than she used to, largely because she's 
She's, she's surviving aged. out there, and she she's survived aged as and- a she survived as a revolutionary longer than most revolutionaries survive. And even with that, most of her contemporaries, she's still incredibly revolutionary compared oh, yeah. to, you know, she doesn't go in with her doctorates and talk to the college professors and, and support, you know, broke, uh, break the glass uh, ceiling feminism. In fact, she specifically yeah. talks against that still yeah. every day is like <laughs> she didn't even know to consider herself a feminist at first. And she openly says that every time she brings up feminism and like because she, she thought it was this this person getting ahead of everyone and not helping everybody behind her. It's got to bring up the whole class uh, and. And her politics haven't changed that much. She just doesn't have the same touch on foreign policy because she's not actively in a party now. Uh, but she's still very, very radical. And, and people talk about her being a sellout. This this woman, God, it had to be like 2003 or 2004, she wrote Our Prisons Obsolete. I can I can yeah. guarantee you it's in the mid-2000s because there's constant references in it, it to, to Bush and to, to, to 9-11. Are- you can tell the time it was written. People's brains are, are having a very hard time reconciling hyper online any vote for anyone who says vote for biden must be canceled with the yeah. fact that angela davis is not getting canceled by online leftists i'm sorry go home yeah um, i mean you know <laughs> this, this is, is not, not even this is not even a a, a uh, you know a, a um bobby rush type thing where you know he still should be respected as as one of the great radicals um you know in the history of our country and, and respected as a radical he is but obviously his politics have changed in a very bad way now. Um, and you can say his politics have changed. Her politics have changed very, very little. You know, I mean, you can't even say that about her. And, and for people to call her a sellout or put words in her mouth that she said to vote Biden because she just said to to get Trump out as part of the necessary steps of abolition and not to, st- to stop there. It's just it's absurd. And seeing people put the vote Biden words in her mouth and call her a sellout, it's just appalling. So, I mean, I don't agree with every bit of her politics. I certainly see very differently from her thanks to on the ground material things about, like, say, Syria. But she's still an incredibly you know brilliant it's mind angela, and radical God that damn it's, it's davis. angela davis yeah for fun so. it was so bizarre because it, it had been so long i hadn't listened to her i i've read a lot of her but i haven't listened to her like public which is weird because she is she is alive she speaks she, she there, it, yeah. it's easily thought out but i hadn't heard her speak contemporaneously in so long um, she does a lot maybe, of public speeches. You she does a lot. Of, I mean, that's her whole. That's her whole jam right now. Like that's how yeah. she writes. She's a, she's a public figure. That's how she makes her mm-hmm. living. But uh, it was so strange because I had think I think it was a couple days prior. I was me and my wife were watching uh, the the video on her her on violence. Just her that that video that yeah. everyone knows. She's it's like a brown turtleneck. It's Angela. Oh yeah, and, she's and, talking about how it's absurd to, to ask her about violence. And, every yeah. left person, like, you can name these YouTube clips, like, the Yellow Parenti video. We all know the Yellow Parenti video. Y'all seen the Yellow Parenti video. Uh, Fred Hampton on education. We've all seen that, but but that the Angela video is so mm-hmm. fucking, like, iconic. And then, like, to see a YouTube clip of her talking about prison, prison abolition, I'm like, it just broke my brain for a second. I'm like, oh my, everyone else I watch from this era is dead. Or dead at the hands of the state, or, yeah. or or just non-existent at this point, and and to hear that voice saying yeah, the same I thing, mean, and then saying things like "this is the most like concerted effort," you know, the concerted strike against racism I've seen in my lifetime. I'm just like, "Fuck, are you are you what? <laughs> are we actually yeah. living that right now? Is that happening?" Yeah, I mean, there's more than than you know a few uh, Black Panthers that have survived Corn Pro, but as far as the big figures, the big public 
um, Black Panthers that were not killed or basically lifelong in prison in COINTELPRO like uh, Mumia Abu-Jamal or essentially exiled fleeing for their life like Asada Shakur. Uh, you basically got, you know, um, Bobby Seale, um, who, you know, I'm a co-founder along with, with uh, Huey Newton and, and still, you know, of course, you know, is incredibly insightful like Angela, but does not make the same uh, number of public appearances, things like no. that. Um, you have Bobby Rush, who was the co-founder in Chicago, along with Fred Hampton. And uh, he's unfortunately a, a Chicago uh, politician, a congressman that is very much along the uh, Obama politic these days. Um, and then you have Angela Davis, who still who makes all these public appearances, finds her way into mainstream nearly as much as, as sell out garbage pails like Noam Chomsky and still finds her way to be incredibly radical. And how are you, you not see, listening to this woman? I'm seeing it's just fun. And again, I'm probably extra. I'm probably projecting, but I, it is it, it's like you're hearing to hear her talk right now. You can hear someone that has lived. I imagine someone like like Harry Haywood listening to him, you know, lived such a radically it, you know, important mm-hmm. in his youth and went through that. But then as he got old and the same with Dr. Du Bois, as they aged, they became more radical. They saw that, but mm-hmm. the world was not at that point. The world was, was hyper against what that was. And they they yeah. were not able to speak out yeah. in that way. And, and then for, for, you know, Harry Haywood, it was, it was to, to white chauvinism, the CPSU mm-hmm. and the federal infiltration that came after that, even though the white chauvinism had already burned it up anyway. Um, and then for, you know, Angela Davis, um, and, and of course, you know, those in, in exile or prison like Mumia Abdul-Jamal and Asada Shakur, uh, it was COINTELPRO, but whatever it is, you know, their, their party apparatus they were part of it, it evaporated essentially, you know? So the fact that she's still out there publicly speaking, publicly making these statements, and being so radical again, you know, I mean, sometimes on, on issues outside of the U S borders, there's not the same level of on hand material analysis, but again, you know, I mean, you've got to realize also, they've got no party to turn to. If I'm also, if I'm Angela and I think I've realized this a lot more recently, I, I mean, I want to give critical support to literally everything outside the U S border that, uh, that ostensibly opposes U S imperialism. But yeah. it, we, ha- if there's anything, the last couple books we've read is, is, I'm way more interested in knowing hyper in depth the conditions that we live in that made the situation that, we're in. And for that, she's she's still an incredible source down yeah. to down to the word. You know, no I mean, one just, can be. No one has enough time and enough brain mm-hmm. power and enough just, just just human hours in the day to be perfect on everything. Which period. which is exactly why I point out when it goes out of the U.S. border. You know, she used to have a party to turn to for that, so that there was enough collective brain power. And now, what she's surrounded with university people that that tow the imperial it's line. The same, it's and the so same the way fact- I get to ask you questions. I just I don't I don't talk unless I confirm <laughs> with you first. It's nice if you were suddenly to get a abducted by the the cia i would be making a lot of uh, very silly statements but then i'd still probably be okay on a lot of stuff <laughs> uh, but nonetheless i mean you know as far as within the united states within the border within the battle she sees in front of her face she she's lost no bit of that revolutionary edge she's not lost no bit of that up to the minute knowledge I, I mean, she she focuses on something she focuses on very, very well. She's a prison abolitionist, as she should be. And, of course, to take down, you know, prisons, uh, you have to inherently be a decarceral feminist um, because of the way. And she talks about this all over. This is the biggest chapter uh, in Angela Davis's book that we talked about, you know, before our prisons obsolete is, you know, gender and, and prisons. And even though more men are, are in prison than women, uh, the role gender takes in it. Um, you know, she has to do that. And she also has to be 
uh, anti-capitalist. She has to be a socialist because you, you cannot get rid of prisons without the very reason that they exist. Uh, yes. But you could still take steps towards that abolition and use the abolition in turn to end capitalism the same way as you can use ending capitalism to abolish prisons. It's it's just like we've talked about before with decolonialism, imperialism, and socialism. You have to fight all those battles at once, not like pick one or the other, and then maybe one wins out first, but they all help each other because they're all entwined. Uh, same thing with, with you know little sub-fights within that, such as prison and police abolition. You fight that directly all the time. The second someone's fighting that, you don't come up and go, oh, well, you're not fighting capitalism enough. You join the damn fight. You support mm-hmm. them. And you fight that at the same time, just as hard as you're fighting capitalism. You're not picking one or the other. And one of them is the only way to get the other one fully and truly and whatever steps you take and whatever concessions you get in the meantime and either one of them is better. It helps you survive. You know, I mean, it's, it's Stalin's view that like, you know, we happily accept any reforms that take us towards our goals, but yep. we do not accept, we, we wholly reject forms that are seen as the end goal. It's not that reforms are bad as they have to be understood as preliminary steps, not goals. And you also, again, I think this is the first time and you're seeing it and it's important. Uh, everyone on the left has to, you have to operate with some level of, of real politic. I mean, you have, at, at the end of the day, it's just, it is necessity. It, it would be non material to say that that's not, a factor in how you go about crafting your revolution, either step-by-step or or how you want to get there. And at the end of the day, the sooner we get comfortable taking very, very, very hard stances to the left, you have Mm -hmm. to, if you start from a position, we said this before, if you start a position of compromise, you will lose because the other side Mm -hmm. is not compromising with you. You, you do not have a partner working in good faith with the, the, a white supremacist state in the United States. They are not operating in, in some form of, well, let's see if we can work it out. So the sooner we ditch this concept of, well, let's find something that works for everyone in the middle. And then no, no, fuck that. We saw what happened with that. We tried that. Yeah. doesn't work. Start with completely abolish the police. And if the fir- only thing we get out of that is a completely, completely radical reformation of what the police are in the United States, that is one step towards making it mm-hmm. is easier to protest, it is easier to organize, it is easier to do all of these things if you get the 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 middle ground, defund the police and funnel that towards other well, more pressing issues. It, it is just you have to be willing to take the hard stance and not in the back of your head go, well, let's go compromise with somebody. Yeah, and that's exactly what Angela said on her um, Democracy Now! interview where people, of course, being the Democracy Now! viewers are equating her with Noam Chomsky and well, cutting off her radical politics and saying she she said to vote for Biden or whatever bullshit they want to pull up. Um, is She said that, you know, I mean, is- all of these organizing these, these protests would be easier with Trump out of office. So opposed Trump. She didn't say vote Biden. She said work to get Trump out of office because um, all of these things are easier without him. And she emphasized only as a means to make these other things easier. These other things are, are your main focus. And that's, I think, a point that I've I, – I, hi, guys, self-credit hour. Um, that's something I've been really bad about um, mm-hmm. uh, probably for the whole – because I radicalized mm-hmm. right after Trump got inaugurated. I mean that was when sure. – I mean I was a mushy middle of the ground – you know, a political politics don't affect me liberal mm-hmm. until Trump. So in my head, my lived experience is 
well, Donald Trump gets people to be radical. We should want, no matter what, we should want that. That logic doesn't play out. Um, and the concept that that you, th- if we're organizing effectively, if we're organizing diligently, and we have the right the right groundwork, the right theory, the right we're doing it for the right reasons. It does not fucking matter who's in the White House for for how no. we would organize and how we would work. In no. my head, though, I have this lived experience of well, think we man, we really got people out, and we really got. I, I say we got people. I got out. So I yeah. got out. So that means everyone else must have done it at the same time too. It's a it's a me centric. It's an egotistical kind of mm-hmm. centering of yourself and and trying to put the movement onto yourself. And if someone like Angela Davis says it is more important to get Trump out of office and it will make your organizing more effective if Trump is out of office, I ha- I'm not going to refute that. I'm not going to sit no. here and try and say you're wrong, Angela Davis, because she probably knows more about it than I do. Yeah, but you also have to understand what she said in that very statement. Yeah. Uh, and, and she emphasized that it's just going to make things easier. And that's why – I mean she emphasized why you get Trump out of office to make these things easier. And so if you compromise one bit on any of yeah. these things, you turn your you turn your protest into a vote Biden, you know, voter registration campaign, it's taking away from the end goal. And the only reason you want Trump out is because he's taking away from, from being able to focus your efforts on that end goal. He's making it lethal to protest. He's making the Trump administration will outright mm -hmm. kill you in the streets. His supporters will endorse that a Biden administration would like to probably kill you in the streets, but they recognize that the optics of that would be bad. So they'll probably be a little more (laughs) about it. I mean, they'll they probably kill you, but they'll they'll do it with you know tear gas and and rubber bullets and you know Trump Trump is, is someone that he thank God hasn't done it yet, but I wouldn't be shocked if if eventually the national guard life fire. yeah 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 and that would be and so that again that is that is my my moment of I need to shut up because yes I I have been very guilty of thinking that the mm-hmm. again do I intend to vote for Joe Biden no I will I will probably vote no. for any viable third party option because. For the same yeah. reasons we read in Dr. Du Bois's piece, I, I, I believe in that. But I think there is some very important context in there of if a person, again, Noam Chomsky has a very good track record of being a wishy-washy liberal. He wrote one decent yeah. book one time. Give it up. Which which was really a worse version of Parenti's better book exactly. in the midst, yes, because in the midst Mike- of Noam supporting Pol Pot. So exactly. Noam can get fucked. Angela Davis has a very consistently good mm-hmm. track record. Yes. If she says something that makes me go, mm, well, I hope that's probably more a moment to stop and think, why the mm-hmm. fuck am I thinking like that and reflect again? I've been on this side for about four years now, give or take yeah. three and a half. Yeah. Um, I you also don't have know to remember everything. too. Angela Davis is going to know better than you, and you should look to these radical leaders for political advice. Uh, that doesn't mean that everything she says because she's Angela Davis no. would be right. Too. No, exactly. Again, there's, we talked about Syria. There's, you know? there's important. You have to be, but you also you just have to be able to. I think it is important right now that everybody be able to stop, take something, and stop trying to bend it to fit inside of some very yeah. static, pragmatic worldview. It, it absorb it, take it in, think about yourself. Think about is there a reason this is happening, and try. Yeah. We all need to be getting better right now. You see it a lot in the uh, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone dialogue right and, now. And the uh, I can't remember the name of the Autonomous Zone in Atlanta. It's uh, houseless oh, people. Oh shit! 
It's, yes, uh, I, I don't it's know a yet. Mostly black run houseless people autonomous and I, yes. I can't. These the are a a very very good example of times where one again across the board. I think everyone. I I you can tell me and David haven't recorded together since all this popped <laughs> off, but uh, um, I promise we're going to get to an episode in here. Uh, but the the autonomous zones. Every ML I saw, or at least that I followed and that I respect and that I have you know any sort of affinity for, everyone uniformly fell in line went like yeah i mean the best they were the worst they were doing was sending that marks thing where it was like yeah mark said that you probably shouldn't do the paris commune the way you're doing it but as soon as it happened he's like fuck yeah let's go get on the train guys we're doing this um here's here's what to do and again it's had again everything happens in hyper speed right now um everyone's there there are some criticisms coming out of it i still am in the full I, I critically support and want it to succeed and want the idea that it is a thing to succeed because mm-hmm. all that does is push us one step further towards other avenues, I think, of of resisting the Imperial Corps and giving us other pockets to organize and radicalize and show people there are other ways to live. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing that we're doing here. But uh, but again, so many people are getting so entrenched and and trying to treat this like there's someone wins and someone's ideology has to win and someone's ideology has to lose as opposed to like, this is beautiful. We have an opportunity yeah. here. We're seeing we're, we're all working on this together. We all yeah. will realize both from adding more input. It's not that the stuff we've learned in the past is wrong. We keep it up because it is right. Uh, but also we have more input to incorporate. Oh, maybe that does work. Maybe we should listen to that. Oh, these people were able to do that. Maybe we should talk to these people about what we're doing, what we're seeing, what we're not yeah. seeing, what we yeah. think we did right, how we can help them. Um, and then think, okay, this is another strategy that can work. This is another strategy we can incorporate. And this one to at least some degree, cause it worked to at least some amount fits our material conditions and yeah. if it doesn't go all the way and, and finish revolution which if it does i don't know why the hell you would complain if it doesn't you can say hey let's make sure from our past analysis and our material conditions what actually made it it not succeed the way we wanted to not just our past analysis and it's not yeah this is not a thing if if it fit i'm saying this right now to anyone listening to this if for whatever reason the the capitol hill autonomous zone fails and again I have a vested the autonomous interest. Autonomous zone in Atlanta. And the, any autonomous zone in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I use Chaz because it's had long enough to develop, and it's the one sure, getting the most critiques the right now. <laughs> um, and I, I went to the neighborhood last year, um, mm. and I have yeah. family interests out there. I, I desperately want that to succeed for selfish reasons, for personal reasons, and for the right reasons of it is a, glo- it is a group of people normalizing and and actually taking steps towards a thing that I would not have thought was possible three months yeah. ago. We also have to, to look at the moment and define success too. We have to look at it and go, okay, this is good. How good is this? What is this lacking? What is this doing yeah. for decolonization and for indigenous people? And what is it are, not doing? And there you are know, very that. valid critiques that are coming out from that. There are comrades on Twitter that are hold, trying to hold people accountable. Again, mm-hmm. I am not here to met out. Ju- I am a yeah. thousand miles away and have no inclusion in it, no part in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say, if it fails, and your first instinct is to go on Twitter and dunk on anarchists because anarchy always fails, really, really look at yourself and and and, and ask, how am I contributing towards helping make the world the place I want to see? Because yeah. I cannot think of a single instance that that act is going to forward socialism, solidarity, 
anything. I, I just right. I just don't see how that's ever going to achieve what you want other than making you feel better about I, maybe being wanna, theoretically right about something. You want to call yourself the, the materialist, the Marxist-Leninist about it. If you take your analysis that way, Mao might actually physically rise from the grave <laughs> just to slap you across the face. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I think that, honestly... Did a pretty good job in about a quarter yeah. of the podcast, uh, highlighting some, some very <laughs> relevant current events. <laughs> uh, we didn't have to turn this into its whole other uh, current events episode. We succeeded Yay, at something us. once in our lives. Um, let's go ahead and make a very uh, rocky. We're gonna we're gonna slip gears like three or four times. The clutch is gonna be burned out, but we're gonna we're gonna shift gears into. <laughs> You know, Black Reconstruction in America. Yeah. A work yeah. that it based on the numbers, uh I don't uh, we don't get inside podcasting here, but uh I would say there's some uh some pent up demand for people wanting to listen to mm-hmm. uh, a history of, of maybe the uh black experience in America and, and mm-hmm. some things that are going on there because uh holy shit, y'all are listening to this far. You, y- y'all are in and I'm I'm yeah. here for it. So thank y'all. Yeah, for I'm pleasantly surprised for that. Tell, be a, tell a friend. You're going to be um, here for a while, so you better enjoy it. <laughs> now. Now, uh, David has accused me of reading too much, so I'm going to shut up and let David read for a while. In Louisiana, the Adjutant General's Office of the Militia stated that the governor of the commander-in-chief relying implicitly upon the loyalty of the free-colored population of the city and state for the protection of their homes, their property, and for Southern rights from the pollution of a ruthless invader, believing that the military organization which existed prior to February 15, 1862, and elicited praise and respect for the patriotic motives which prompted it, should exist for and during the war, calls upon them to maintain their organization and hold themselves prepared for such orders may be transmitted to them these David, na- i'm i'm very confused um yeah can you explain to me what an adjutant general is i just that that one <laughs> that that's what's throwing me off for the whole sentence i just need to understand it's like an assistant general they just oh. they just could have said assistant he could have said, okay, thank you, David. Nathan's for, making for fun of me because I looked up this word. Because we spent 80% of our podcast not knowing a word to a thing. And David saw one word and was like, we must Google this one. And so now we know what adjutant general means. And you all do too. You're welcome. These native guards joined the Confederate forces, but they did not leave the city with these troops. When General Butler learned of this organization, he sent for several of the prominent colored men and asked why they had accepted service under the Confederate government. They replied that they dared not refuse and hoped by serving the Confederates to advance nearer to equality with the whites. Oh, good. yeah, oh, we always good. love that attitude. That's um, that's always there's nothing wrong with that. I have a yeah. feeling there's going to be a lot more cringing during this book in light of recent events than there should be. Yeah, in mm. Charleston on January second, 150 free colored men offered their services to hasten the work of throwing up redoubts along the coast. At Nashville, Tennessee, April 20, April 1861, a company of free Negroes offered their services to Confederates. At Memphis, a recruiting office was opened. The legislature of Tennessee authorized Governor Harris on June 28, 1861, to receive in a military service all male persons of color between the ages of 15 and 50. A, pro- a procession of several hundred colored men marched under the command of Confederate officers and carried shovels, axes, and blankets. The observer Hang on, adds, guys. "Hang on, guys! 
I need a stinger for this, but prepare for recurring favorite character of of the podcast ever oh, to show no. up again. David, keep going. <laughs> the Observer adds they were brimful of patriotism, shouting for two-time Daytona 500 champion Jeff Davis and singing war songs. A paper <laughs> in Lynchburg, that Lynchburg, Virginia. Are you fucking Lynchburg! kidding me? How? Have, please tell me they've cha- they have to have changed. Isn't that where Jack Daniels is made? Can we? Are we not getting working on removing that from everything? Oh How is that okay. allowed to be a thing? I just genuinely like that's not a joke or anything. I hope people don't think I'm making light of that. I just read that and no. genuinely shocked. There's a fucking no, Lynchburg, I can see Virginia. I can see the reaction phase. This was not planned. No, two time Daytona 500, 500 champion Jeff champion Davis. Jeff David. We, there that was, was a little planned. lead up that to that. It, yeah, there was some planning to that. But no, the fact that Lynchburg is allowed to remain. Yeah, in the city. Just, Meanwhile, um, I am I'm going to be back because I want to. Three men, three people have been lynched in the last what Five. week. Five? five. Oh, we're up to five now. Good. Five. Good. Very good. Very good and cool. Nothing Ruled to see suicides. here, guys. Definitely, definitely super believable suicides where you all just like all the Ferguson, just like all the Ferguson protesters that conveniently uh, committed suicide. They conveniently shot themselves in the back of the head and burned their cars. Yeah, that's um, that's that's considerate right there. You're saving work yeah. for somebody. Yeah. Um, versus here, we you know you do public <sighs> hangings of yourself outside publicly in in a way that's historically. Uh, associated with killing black people definitely a suicide um all right let's get yeah. back to the let's get back to the awful history to for, normally i use the awful the, the history to, to forget about the awful current and now i'm using the awful history to forget about the awful current it's fun it's a fun twist yeah yeah um a paper in lynchburg virginia commenting on singing war songs Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Commenting on the enlistment of 70 free Negroes to fight for the defense of the state concluded with three cheers for the patriotic Negroes of Lynchburg. That I do not want to read that three sentence ever cheers again. cheers for the patriotic Negroes of Lynchburg. Yeah. That no, is an. Un- not good. Oh, my God. It's not good. Okay. All right. We're going to need to do an edit here because there's a small child staring into the camera behind me. And, uh, David, what? I oh. thought I was. Hey, Dan. I- Holy. <laughs> God! Did you know I was here? <laughs> no, I get out of here! I'm recording. I certainly did. Oh, there's a year off my life. That's one. That's Dan, one. Go upstairs. You scared Just a Nathan. Child of the corn staring into the web camera behind me while David pretends nothing is happening. Oh man! There goes my heart. It's gone. I'm done. That is my sneakiest kid. He does that kind of thing all the damn time. Oh, yeah, you raised a ninja. Good work. But the problem is, is with your lighting and the absolute blackness of the background, all I see are two uh, just eyes coming out of the darkness at me. I, th- I thought that I, like, I watched the ring and my time had come and this is how it was going to end for me. Oh, okay. Um, we're not editing this, by the way. Godspeed. Oh, shit. Anyway. Great. Great. It's less work for me. Awesome. <laughs> After the firing on Fort Sumter, several companies of Negro volunteers passed through Augusta on their way to Virginia. They consisted of 16 companies of volunteers and one Negro company from Nashville. In November of the same year, 28,000 troops passed before Governor Moore, General Lowe, and General Rug- Ruggles of New Orleans. Okay, that's just fucking goddamn. <laughs> general, general Saturday morning cartoons character. General, general Snuggle Man. <laughs> <laughs> just imagining Snuggle the Bear from the Fabric Softener commercial I really, with the I, I, hat. I read Ruggles and I thought it was either like a teddy bear or a cartoon dog. With the rubble, f- rubble. <laughs> Somebody says that. I don't. I think it's a Hamburglar reference in there. <laughs> 
the line of me, march david david you do know now that the uh, the alamart for this week will be will be the hamburglar with a confederate hat on i just there you, you go know. yeah of course right. yeah cool 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 <laughs> the line of march was over seven miles and one regiment comprised 1400 free colored men the baltimore traveler commenting on arming negroes at richmond said contrabands who have recently come within the federal lines at williamsport report that all the able-bodied men in the vicinity are being taken to richmond formed into reg- regiments and armed for defense of that city in february 1862 the confederate legislature of virginia considered a bill to enroll all free negroes in the state for service with the confederate forces oh so, ne- so now we've gone to now we've gone from all right you can let them in to okay all of them have to join <laughs> like yes. mass draft or whatever their their strategy oh, so has this shifted is 18, very quickly february 1862 i feel like this is them adopting them sooner than the north uh even though they're absolutely more you know i obviously clearly want their their slavery this is again another analogy for modern day democrats and republicans where where republicans vehemently want to destroy poor and colonized people's lives for profit whereas democrats kind of want that but want to tell themselves to the good people so they just trip over their own dicks kind of on purpose all the time republicans will will cut you at the throat i mean we just saw the the trans rights getting shredded up by trump Um, democrats will give you some concessions but they'll undercut you too and when they undercut you it's at lightning speed and is basically putting a target on it for republicans to smash and then democrats to go we did what we could david david let it be known Today, we're recording on the day baby they just made they just made sure that you can't be discriminated against for being uh uh lgbtq or, or oh trans yeah or like that's that. that's totally, definitely there's definitely no way not at all that you can get fired for being trans anymore no, there's not an option yes at will employment is a foolproof system yeah no, uh, man. no one can fire you no and then not tell you why exactly and when you do get fired for being discriminated against it definitely does not take a big expensive lawsuits to only recoup costs yeah that you'll never probably mm-hmm. end up winning because they'll never actually yes. make it to court because you're you're yes. gonna get real better no but dude but I it's mean, okay because the the, the progressive the progressive supreme court um has once again protected our rights with with trans rights and also uh making sure that um what is the immunity word for cops getting it? qualified the, immunity qualified immunity is is they they totally not upheld that again um, in the same in the same series of rulings uh the just same clear, there was like three rulings today yeah there were three there was a qualified immunity there was the other one you forgot was uh the one where uh, liberal progressive hero Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, voted with all the other dirtbag Republicans to authorize an eight billion dollar uh, uh, well oh, pipeline for pipelining. Yeah, it yeah. was a natural gas pipeline this no, time, yeah. not oil, not oil, no, natural gas. Yeah. Much safer, totally gas. different. There are much, no natural much gas better for the environment. It's got natural happens. in the name. It's, it's got natural, natural it's from in the, the name. earth. It's basically yeah. weed. Yeah, she basically legalized weed, guys. <laughs> it's not even. It's not even addicting energy. Not even addicting. Fuck Ruth Bader Ginsburg. While then the Negroes helped the Confederates as forced laborers, and in a few instances as soldiers, the Confederates feared to trust them far and hated the idea of depending on victory and defense on these very persons whose slavery they were fighting. But in the last days of the struggle, no straw could be overlooked. In December 1863, Major General Patrick Cleburne. Who commanded a division of Hardy in Hardy's corps? <laughs> commanded a division of thick burgers, ready to ride into battle. He did it again. He's doing it again. 
Look behind you, David. What? God dang it. I look up from a good, good, thick burger's rant, and again, just the ninja Gaiden child is hiding in the background. Good Lord. <laughs> so something, 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 something inappropriate anyway, and, models. And by the way, for those, junior corps, for those who know. need joke contact to go with a book context, um, if you're at a Carl's Jr. market where it's called Carl's Jr., the other markets call it Hardee's. So yes. anyway... Um, so, commanded the Thickburger Corps of the Confederate yes. Army. See, maybe that's the album artwork. We got a lot of options. I don't think I have enough time to make a Confederate flag and replace every star with a Hardy star, though. Um, Probably difficult. Clyburn Probably urged difficult. that the freedom within a reasonable time be granted to every slave remaining true the, to the Confederacy and was moved to this action by the valor of the 54th Massachusetts. Saying... What? If they, the Negroes, can be made to face fight bravely against their former masters, how much more probable is it, with the allurement of a higher reward led by those masters, <laughs> they would submit to discipline and face dangers? Can we just acknowledge that Republic that, that dirtbag right wingers have always been better at recognizing just like inherent truths? Like they immediately recognized, wait a minute, if we just pay them a lot more than the other side does and give them an option <laughs> they'll absolutely fight for us and not them right like I, I if i give him more money than the north yeah they're just gonna fight for me like i come on we can it, it they, they just all they understand is like capitalism 101 that's like the one thing they've got baked into their brain um <laughs> and it's all they there's like well but I offered him more money. Why would he want to shoot it? Oh, it's the slavery thing, isn't it? Fuck. Yes. I forgot about that. That slavery. Damn. Thing. God damn. Just that one damn. little catch. Uh, President Davis was not convinced and endorsed Cleburne's plea with the statement. I deem it inexpedient at this time to give publicity to this paper and request that it be suppressed. I do like that we have now that we that they lead with his presidency and not his more impressive feat, which is two back to back consecutive Daytona 500 championships. Um, yes. Yeah. I think no, uh, I, honestly, if Barack Obama had won two Daytona 500 championships, you would lead with that and not the president thing, because one of them is impressive. And the other one's like, eh, whatever. Yeah, that's that, that's true. That's true. I would I think I would say it like, you know, two time Daytona 500 championship champion Barack Obama president of the United States. I wouldn't do it like even president before the name. Yeah. Point. Yeah. President and so. two times. Yeah, you're right. The, no, the it, Daytona has to come first. This goof is going off clunky, the yeah. rails. <laughs> in September 1864, Governor Allen of Louisiana wrote to J.A. Seddon, Secretary of War in the Confederate government, the time has come to put into the army every able-bodied Negro as a soldier. The Negro knows he cannot escape conscription if he goes to the, the enemy. He must play an important part in the war. He caused the fight, and he will Whoa, have his portion of the burden okay, to now, bear. Hold on, you, hold on, hold on, hold on now. There is some victim blaming going on here, and I am not a fan <laughs> of it at all. He caused the fight. <laughs> Get fucked, yeah. sir. Governor Allen. How like short long walk short pier. What the fuck are you talking about? Well, Governor I want to keep him for free and now I have to go fight someone for it. So he might as well go kill someone for it for free. Damn it. <laughs> I let's see. Yeah, I would free all able to bear arms and put them in the field at once. In that year, 1864, a hundred thousand poor whites deserted the Confederate armies. In November, racism knows no bounds. It really doesn't. <laughs> 
In November 1864, two-time Daytona 500 champion Jeff Davis, in his message to the Confederate Congress, recognized that the slaves might be needed in the Confederate Army. He said the subject is to be viewed by us, therefore solely in the light of policy and our social economy. When so regarded, I must dissent from those who advise a general levy of arming slaves for the duty of soldiers. Until our white population shall prove insufficient for the armies we require and can afford to keep the field to employ as a soldier the Negro, who has merely trained a laborer and as a laborer under the white man accustomed from his youth to use firearms, would scarcely be deemed wise or advantageous <sighs> by any. And this is the question before us. But should we alternatively ever be presented with the subjugation of or of the employment of the slave as a soldier? There seems no reason to doubt what should be our decision. I'm starting to I, I'm, I'm starting to realize that saying Jeff, that like, Jeff may why know we how to give turn... them guns or is he saying like we need them right now? No, 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 no. Jeff is saying, uh, well, let's be honest. The black man only knows how to work for the white man, and the white man shot shit since he was a kid. So obviously, why you know, square peg, round hole. Uh, why would okay. I try and take the black man out of the field? You're trying to make a guy do a thing he's not comfortable with. Well, okay. I'm going to use all the white people until. But if you push me against a wall, of course I'm going to use all these black people right here. I'm Jeff Davis. That's all I know how to do is exploit gotcha. black people. It is my bone. Oh. I know how to do two things. Damn it! I know how to turn left. I don't know how to exploit black people. <laughs> Those are the two things I'm good at. We're wieners. I'm going to come at you like spire monkey. I'm Jeff. I'm Jeff Davis. Oh, Jeff Davis. Jesus Christ. In, in response, response to an inquiry. You lay down. Oh. You've had like three consecutive pages. I'm taking a paragraph at least. <laughs> Fine. In response to an inquiry from the Confederate Secretary of War as to arming the slaves, Howell Cobb of Georgia opposed the measure to arm the Negroes. I think that the proposition to make soldiers of our slaves is the most pernicious idea that has been suggested since the war began. Did they did they make the 10% plan before or after the war? Because that's going to be the most pernicious, I promise you. <laughs> you cannot make soldiers of slaves or slaves of soldiers. The moment you resort to Negro soldiers, your white soldiers will be lost to you. And one secret of the favor with which the proposition is received in portions of the army is the hope when Negroes go into the army that they, the whites, will be permitted to retire. I love the concept that the only reason we're bringing black people in is because it's like garbage time in the fourth quarter. And it's like, rest the starters. We're bringing in the bench warmers. We got this, guys. Nah, y'all go, go take a rest. Get some Gatorade. Chill out. No, we got this one. God damn, you dumbass white people. It is simply a proposition to fight the balance of the war with Negro troops. You can't keep white and black troops together, and you can't trust Negroes by themselves. <sighs> Use all the Negroes you can get for all the purposes for which you need them, but don't arm them. That really should be the, the key thing there, guys. <laughs> they're, they're saying the quiet part out loud. The day you make yeah. soldiers of them is the beginning of the end of the revolution. JP and by ben revolution, they meant like, you know, yeah, the, the, their revolution, the shitty one, the keep slavery revolution, yes, the, 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 yeah. the, the progressive revolution. J.P. Benjamin, Secretary of State, on the other hand, declared that the slaves would be made to fight against the South if Southerners failed to arm them for their own defense. He advocated emancipation for such black soldiers at a large meeting at Richmond. We have 680,000 blacks capable of bearing arms and who ought now to be in the field. Let us now say to every Negro who wishes to go free to the ranks on condition of being free, go and fight. 
you are free. I really want to know how they thought that would work after the fact. <laughs> like, what was your game plan? At, like, was it just import a fuckload more I don't slaves? Know. I don't know. I got nothing. It, it just feels like yeah. desperation. Like, again, we're throwing Hail Marys and hoping I, I, one of them You hits. know, that that's a good sign when your enemy's, like, desperate, though. So, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. That, yeah. in a letter to two-time Daytona 500 champion Jeff Davis, president of the Confederacy, another correspondent added, I would not make a soldier of the Negro if it could be helped, but we are reduced to this last resort. Sam Clayton of Georgia wrote, the recruits should come from our Negroes nowhere else. We should, oh, we should away with we should away with pride. Yeah, it, again, it's old. It's antebellum fucking bullshit. Okay, okay. Speaking we should away of with which, the- we're gonna take a pause and okay. congratulate ourselves for single-handedly oh. si- being the podcast that was on the front lines and single-handedly took down those crypto fucking racist lady antebellum. God damn! Made them change their name to another artist that already existed. That already existed. If they got drunk, you can tell they like did it on, a, on like a moment's notice and got, and then just immediately like, oh, f- oh, we are so boned. Oh man, we did not anticipate this. Love to make headlines with your racism twice. Once oh. for like, oh yeah, our racist name that we kind of have to make public that we're changing it. Oh, we fucked up and tried to take a black artist. Oh, we name. took a black That's person. That's not much better. Oh <laughs> shit! We also we our racist name tried to you know appropriate a black person's work as our own. Whoops, doodles. Whoops. <laughs> All right. So anyway, we should away with pride of opinion, away with false pride, and promptly take hold of the means God has placed without our reach to help us through this struggle. A war for the right of self government. Some people say that the Negroes will not fight. I say they will fight. They ought to fight at Ocean Pond, Elustazi, Florida, Honey Hill, and other places. The enemy fights us with Negroes, and they will do very well to fight the Yankees. Why, though? Why do you think that, you dumb man? Because they're just what? used to being listened to. Why? Why? They're used it's to compliance. Such a dumb thing. Some people say the Negroes won't fight. I say they will. I'm Sam Clayton. <laughs> <laughs> and i approve this message it's all he's going he doesn't give evidence he just says a thing in january 1865 general lee sent his celebrated statement to andrew hunter we should not expect slaves to fight for pro- prospective freedom when they can secure it at once by going to the enemy and whose service they will incur no greater risk than in ours the reasons that induce me to recommend the employment of negro troops at all render the effect of the measures I had suggested upon slavery immaterial. And in my opinion, the best means of securing the efficiency and fidelity of this auxiliary force will be to accompany the measure with a well-digested plan of gradual and general emancipation, as that will be the result of the continuance of the war and will certainly occur if the enemy succeeds. It seems to me most advisable to do it at once and thereby attain all the benefits that will accrue for our cause. So this is like a super... uh... We're fighting an entire war to keep you enslaved by the way you fight for us. We'll totally emancipate This you. is a thing that promise, happens promise. a lot. Like you see this in the above when you're, when you're talking with like, like weird history majors, because they all tend to like disassociate morality from history. Like they just assume that facts are a thing and you don't have to talk about like common sense or, or, or human emotion or anything like that. Um, they'll argue, well, you know, Lee wasn't a virulent racist or anything like he was just, he was very smart. He was just, he was fighting for his part of his country and that he was doing. And this is the kind of shit they'll point to. Cause this is, if you read that whole paragraph again, yeah. that is a fairly 
astute observation. It is, look, sure. we can either offer them freedom, which the North mm-hmm. is offering them right now, yeah. and try and have a shot at winning, or we can say nothing. We can give up nothing and and just stick our toes in the ground and die. He was he knew yeah. what he was doing. He wasn't completely idiotic, right? And he knew but that he this also- was all complete opportunism. It was what do I need to do at this very second to win this one time? That what doesn't take do away from the fact that he was a racist idiot. Yeah. What what rug do we need to roll out? What red carpet do we need to roll out to pull out from under? Them? Exactly. It's it's, yeah. it's all it is. And again, it's this kind of stuff. You you can put together enough quotes from Robert mm-hmm. E. Lee to make it look like he wasn't a complete just like backwards. But like, again, we read, you know, Sam Clayton up here. You know, you read that paragraph. You're like, oh, well, that's a goddamn idiot. And then you read this thing from <laughs> Lee. And it's like, OK, well, that guy kind of knew what he was talking about. And it's like, stop <laughs> right. it. No, he was, they were, they were all, he was bad. He just, he was like the less, he was, that's worse. He was a competent asshole. Like he recognized the opportunity. He's like Tom Cotton where Trump's running around. Like, yeah, you don't want the big giraffe neck motherfucker that's stealing Iraqi gold. He's more scary. (laughs) He he is terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Terrifying human being to look at. Yes. Uh, This letter was discussed by the Confederates, and February 8th, Senator Brown of Mississippi introduced into the Confederate Congress a resolution which would have freed 200,000 Negroes and enrolled them in the Army. This was voted down. Uh, Of course. Of course. Yep. Uh, Two-time Daytona 500 champion Jeff Davis, in a letter to John Forsythe, February 1865, said that all arguments as to the positive advantage or disadvantage of employing them are beside the question, which is simply one of relative advantage between having their fighting element in our ranks or in those of the enemy. On February 8th, another – or February 11th – February 11th? Wait a minute. No. No. Because one, it's the end of the episode, so I don't care. But two – how did you read February 11th as 8th? How? Because I just None read February 8th relate. above it. I just not read February 8th above it. Okay. This, that's when you know you have to cut an episode. When David is inventing numbers that don't <laughs> exist. When David starts hallucinating. Well, February off, 8th exists. Of course it does. But those numbers weren't written anywhere. You could have said February 17th and it made as much fucking sense. It said February 8th, two paragraphs prior. No, it didn't. Senator, this letter was discussed by Confederates in February. Senator Brown, blah, blah, blah. So you're arguing that you are eventually a computer and your RAM was tapped out. And the last thing you had in RAM was February 8th. And you just couldn't process because that doesn't make any goddamn sense. I'm Look, just, I, I may have I may have volunteered to read more, but I'm reading more. I need my cash cleared. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. That's what Control I'm saying. F5. Y'all try. Control you try and F5. read. We're all gonna get there. That being said, <laughs> guys, um, <laughs> this has been a slightly uh, I don't know. It's an episode for sure. We read the book. <laughs> I promise you that we read the book for a majority of the episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unless you cut in all the stuff that we were talking about in between there. But that being said, we did read three pages, so we're going to need to right. it's one of our short need to pick ever. up the pace next time, as it were, <laughs> so we can finish this one in two years. Um, the uh, This has been Mark's Madness. Uh, yes. The If you feel like at any point we have said something incorrect or you want to talk about it or or you just think that there's a perspective that we're missing, uh, mm-hmm. please reach out in one of, of three distinct ways. Way number one, you can email us. It's old fashioned, mm-hmm. I get it. But uh but you can send an email to marksmadnesspod at gmail.com and we will read it and almost certainly we will respond to it. Mm-hmm. 
Moving on to number two. You can DM us on Twitter. Uh, DMs are getting a little weird. Uh, I, I feel like we hit a point where bots started finding us. Oh, and that's no. a little, yeah, I, I know that's probably a, first, a weird problem than like I, other podcasts have probably dealt with it, but like I'm having a very hard time figuring out if people are human beings on Twitter right now. So um, if, if for whatever reason you're not getting immediate response in DMs, again, try email or come over to Discord. But again, Twitter DMs are open. We're going to leave them open. Um, we are, you're more than welcome to, to hit us up in there, but it's, I'm just saying it's getting re it's getting really kind of trippy up in there. Um, so just kind of, you know, be aware that if, if you're not getting it, it's not cause I'm ignoring you. I promise. Um, that is also a thing that David does occasionally check. So yes. you can get him there. Uh, if you want the thing that you're almost guaranteed, if you want to trash talk David, cause you know, he won't see it, but you know, I'll see it. You should post it in Discord. And the way to get to Discord is one, we just refresh the link in our Twitter bio. Um, but two, you could also email us. It is not for the record, because a couple people have shown up and didn't know it. It is not our Discord. We squat in there. It is the dumb and awful podcast's Discord. We just hang out and co-mingle our, our fan bases and, and you know everyone chills and talks to each other. Mostly Nathan. Time. Mostly Nathan hangs out, but yes. No, David doesn't hang out in there. David is again an itinerant traveler that'll like post a meme from 48 hours ago and go, Y'all seen this? And then ducks out for another week and a half. Like <laughs> he he's our he's our fun, crazy uncle that, that shows up every now and again, but it's good times. Um, but no, it's a, it's it's a very good it's a very wholesome place. It's a good place. It's a place where well-meaning people talk to each other, and that's right now that's a good thing. It, it gives you context. It lets you see other people trying to do stuff, or maybe in a situation that you're in, who who are also trying to figure it out, and and you can talk to them and and, and you know see what you want to do. Um, that being said, David, I feel like it's been a hot second since we've explained the disclaimer for this episode and what it is uh, that we normally do. So you want you want to yes. take that for me? Yeah. So um, obviously the purpose of this podcast is hopefully you're in a party or an organization that does have a reading group. And hopefully they're doing uh, focusing on these very good and important works. And we can be complimentary of that. We can add to your discussion, add to your context, add another perspective, and give you a good refresher of the book to ensure that you – retain it because uh theory is is a very big deal obviously or we wouldn't be doing this uh save that you know hopefully if either your reading groups are doing another book or if you're just needing to uh read on your own and have a group of some sort uh hopefully we can do this along with your reading and worse comes to worse uh whether it's a book that we summarize or a book like this where we go word to word and essentially do uh a uh um ebook and then add commentary and context uh as long as we can get it to you we're happy to be your cliff notes or or your audiobook uh with extra contacts as long as we are making the work accessible and always always remember uh to get yourselves out there to be humble when you get out there realize there's been organizers doing this stuff for decades and you can either organize and fill a need that is not being organized now or join an existing organization or simply help but it's much easier to start at the rank and file and uh, have leadership thrust upon you than go seeking leadership uh but Whatever you do, uh, realize that theory should always be to sharpen your praxis, and praxis is nothing without theory and can lead you down a reactionary path. So those two things go hand in hand, and they always need each other, and we're happy to help you with the theory part. Right now, the biggest takeaway from that I've got, this is there. This is very much not a time for adventurism. No. Um, I, but I it is a time to this. get out there if you can. Yes, it is the time to get out there, David. I know uh, last week was able to thank God, get out um, and mm-hmm. and see and, and and be involved and be on the street and be there. And that's the kind of there. I, I feel like there's no better way to to realize what you're doing is important and validating and 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 the right thing than to be out there. That being said, be out there for the right reasons, please. Um, mm-hmm. Don't 
anyone who is showing up to one of these places and trying to make it again, I've, I said at the beginning of this podcast, if you're trying to center it on yourself, um, if you think for whatever reason that you have some opinion that nobody else has thought of and that you are bringing some unique <laughs> perspective to the table that nobody else has, has ever heard, um, just fine. Go there with that intention. But there, if you're not willing to recognize when somebody tells you you're wrong, yeah, just stay out of the way. <laughs> yeah. And just and just remember, too, I mean, that self-crit is, is the best kind of crit, but you need to be able to take criticism from other people or you're not going to know how to self-crit or or take what they if need. You expect- These are seasoned organizers out there. That doesn't mean they're going to be perfect and know everything. So it's OK no. if you bring another perspective. Yes. But these people have been doing it for a long time. Uh, they also know their own struggle. Um, so there's a good chance for every one thing you may have right that they have wrong. They have a hundred they have right that you don't have. And you're not going to get them to listen to you if they're out there organizing and you're blathering on at them you're going to have to soak stuff in and listen first and get in line and if you learn these things from experience and go yeah my opinion's still right bring it up through whatever organizing channels they have hopefully they listen yep but that's that that is it again everyone uh y'all y'all constantly are are the reason i get out of bed and do this shit on a day-to-day basis um so thank Mm -hmm. you thank you to anyone who's listening um apologies that we are not uh, ramping up to two a week in the glorious uh, push that we thought. Uh, let, uh, we may I'm, still do that in the future, but we've we may still do that in the future. Little. David is officially in some form of back to work because capitalism yeah. sucks. I am working probably towards that very soon. Um, and that combined mm-hmm. with all the other things going on right now, um, one, it just, it's, it's not, I, I'm an ambitious idiot and I, I thought that was going to be a thing we could do. And let's be real. I think without, I think without the stuff going down, without the going back to work and without the collaboration, we're trying to work out, that would be very doable. Uh, but we're very happy about two of those three things. Yeah. Uh, obviously very happy, yeah. unhappy about the other one. And all of these three things are real phenomenons. And so that means that, you know, it, not necessarily killing the two episodes uh, a week thing. No, we, just we it's not happening later. anytime soon. Uh, yeah, it's it'll not happening. There. It'll it's, get there when it gets there. We're going to read. It's put off and we'll say indefinitely, which doesn't mean forever. It just means to an undefined amount of time. <laughs> uh, this being said, I love you all. You're all my comrades and I'm so happy that you all listen and, and take anything you can away from this and you all make me a better person. Thank you. Uh, my name's Nathan. My name's David. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.